Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. So let's jump into this. Are you ready? I want to I just um, look at something real quick. We've been talking about, um, and we began it really a few weeks back. I know it was sort of now it's probably three or four weeks because I was sick for a week and, and we did some stuff last week surrounding prayer and the anointing. But I sort of want to jump back into that, that conversation that we began um, talking about the kingdom of God. Remember how we, we started talking about that and we started it by discussing how, God, how, to, how we can hear God better um, because that's so important about understanding God's kingdom better. And so in Matthew chapter 13, we jump into this parable where Jesus begins to unpack the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like. Um, And this is such an amazing opportunity for us as people that want to learn about God and His kingdom is Jesus really outlines very specifically across a group of parables and unpacks, if you like, the kingdom of God in in incredibly deep and diverse ways for us. And so we're going to take a look at this first parable and I want to show you um, some things in it. But what I want to do is real quickly, for sake sake of time, because we can't sort of read all of it, um, but Jesus begins talking about His kingdom, which is the way sort of God works. And he discusses the kingdom of God being like a farmer who goes and scatters seed. And, and he talks about the seed and he outlines four different categories of people or four different categories or conditions of people, people's heart, excuse me. And of those four different categories in the parable, Jesus talks about the first three and, and basically essentially talks about the fact that, that these categories of, of people or the conditions of people's heart has a result upon their life in such a way that, I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase it in a way that hopefully we can understand. Essentially, Jesus just says of these three, first three categories, these are the people that just, don't really get it. This is, this is how really Jesus said it. He, he, essentially, I'm summarising it and for different reasons and we'll unpack it all in a minute. But to summarise it and set it up for the sake of my servant, Jesus basically said to the disciples when He began to, to, to explain to them the parable of the, the, the farmer sowing seed, he said out of four different categories of people, there's gonna be three of the categories of people and they're just not gonna, they're not gonna get it. It's a shame, it's, it's unfortunate. They're gonna hear it, but they're not gonna get it. And then what happens is when we, when we look at it, he explains then, he talks about the fourth category. And the reason why I'm jumping through the first three, I'm sort of gonna work backwards through it, is because I want us to firstly identify the fourth category for us as Christians. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, the fourth category for us really outlines for us, if you like, this is the goal of the Christian Life. This is this is the category that we want to land in when it comes to 
receiving the kingdom of God. And, and he says it like this. He says the, the fourth category, the first three, they're not going to get it. But the fourth one in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23, he, said, he says, but he who received the seed on good ground, say good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30. Jesus is speaking of a group of people where you would look at this group and say, this is what it's all about. These are people that are catching what it is to be a follower of Jesus. They are allowing this seed, if you like, of God's Word and the Kingdom of God to get so deep down within them that now what is within them is beginning to come out of them. This is, this is what we look at and we need to identify this as that's, that's where I want to be. And we know that this fruit that Jesus is talking about is fruit of the kingdom, fruit of the spirit, according to Galatians. Galatians gives us in Galatians 5 and 22, it gives us an outline of what this fruit is and it is the fruit of the spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. That's the... That's the list, if you like, of that's the goal. What's the goal of your life? That's the goal. Is your goal to be successful and make money and get to know lots of people and build social status? No, all of those things are great. But as a Christian, surrender to the plan of God and purpose of God for our life to establish God's kingdom, that's the goal. The goal is that my life, that I would produce. He outlines this category and and he identifies what the people of God who receive the kingdom need to be doing. And he he says that we would would have fruit in our life, that, that fruit would be evident and that fruit we would also be Produces that fruit would also be made. That's the interpretation. Where he's talking about bearers and bearing fruit and bringing fruit is two different things. That fruit would be evident in my life, that people would look at me and people would see evidence of somebody who demonstrates the joy of the Lord but also somebody that is continually producing. That I would be a manufacturer that that because of the Spirit of God within me, that I'd never run out of joy, that it's continually flowing in and through me and impacting others around me. This is the goal. That peace, that the peace of God, that I would carry the peace of God. We talk about the peace of God so much often. So often we talk about it in the context of God, I need your peace in my life, for my life. But we need to go to a deeper level in the kingdom and understanding that it's not just God's design that He would give us peace for us, but that He would actually allow the peace to flow through us to other people. 
that people would, would get around us and just feel peaceful. People would, the people would, would, would just get, get by us and just sense, man, I, I, there's something just peaceful about you. I, I went to get a haircut a few weeks ago and I sat down and, and, and the girl cussed my hair and, and she described it different. And, and, and I sat down and she said, she said, you've got great energy. You know that? You know people, you know, new age people, they say like that? <laughs> I like, because I, I used to like that stuff before I got saved. I used to like all of the good energy and, and, and the new agey sort of stuff. And, and so I sort of smiled, it made me laugh. But she said, I had lots of people get in, in the chair and when you get in the chair, she said, you can feel, she described it like this, you can feel their energy and some people come and they bring this agitated um, anxious energy, but she said, when you sit in the chair and when I start cutting your hair, there's a there's a peace, there's a peace a feel about you. There's a good energy about you. And 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 little did she know, I'd been ha- I was having a horrible day and, and dealing with so much stuff in my life. I think I think when I get into that chair, I, that's the moment where I put my phone away and I just oh gee, I just relax for a moment. But when she said that, it gave me a greater desire and I thought, yeah, I thought that's what, I want more of that. I want, I want more of it to not just be, and as I began to look through this list, it began, and I, as I began to meditate on the fruits of the Spirit, it began to develop and grow my hunger and desire and, and reminded me of perhaps times in my life where these fruits of the Spirit, I think, were more evident in times in my life than perhaps they are right now. The challenge for me when I was reading this, and maybe for you also, is as we look through this list of the fruits of the Spirit that would identify somebody that is operating in the Kingdom of God and living in the Kingdom of God. When you look at that list, Could you look at that list and truly say that I have grown in all of these areas across the years that I've been saved? That that my the the joy that I carry and and, and that, that emanates from my life is more so right now than it ever has been. That was a challenging question that I asked myself. I thought, am I, am I, if one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness, to to be full of faith, just crazy, raw, radical, on the edge, believing that God can do anything and He wants to do it in and through my life. If that's a fruit of the Spirit, am I operating in that now more than ever before? Or was perhaps there more faith in and flowing through my life when I first got saved? 
Because if, if I can't answer that truthfully by saying, Ben, every area of that list and every area of my life on that list is now more evident than it ever has been, then maybe I have allowed certain things in my life to come and snatch some of the seed that God is continually planting and stirring within my heart. It's a challenging thought when we identify that this is This group, this is the goal. This is where God wants me. Every day growing in a greater level of peace. I I can so easily allow, I remember when I first, you remember when you first got saved? Remember that? Do you remember how bat crazy you were when you first got saved? Remember when you would open God's word? And, and, and there, was, there, there was not a person on this planet that could stop you from getting yourself in God's word. You remember when you first understood the revelation that it's by His grace you are saved. Do you remember that first time when, you, when that hits you and you realise, dear Jesus, I'm free from the mistakes of my past. Do you remember how that provided, as the Word said, life to your physical body? Remember that? Remember when it stirred you and it actually made your physical body and you felt like you had energy when you started to think about how good God has been and it stirred something within you that you couldn't wait. God helped the first unsaved person that was gonna come across your path because you know you're about to preach to them. Remember that? Remember when I remember when I couldn't wait to just get around somebody where I had the opportunity to share about Jesus and what it meant to truly surrender your life to Jesus and to give everything over to Him and how powerful that has been in my life and how powerful it can be for others. I remember when it first just stirred within me that that raw faith for the things of God. I remember what it was to be so passionate about seeing people reach Jesus and so passionate about seeing young people. I remember when I first got saved and and I started serving in the youth ministry. I remember serving in the youth ministry and we had youth camp coming up and all of the different youth leaders were assigned regions or areas of the city. You know, where you had to sort of begin to reach out. And, and help young people and teenagers. And I was, I was just nuts. I, was, I mean, you know, there was not an ounce of wisdom in this guy back then. It was just all about telling people about Jesus. I remember we had this meeting as, as youth leaders and, and the youth pastor got up and he said, okay, everybody, I want us to go around and I, wanna, I want you to tell me how many kids you're believing you're gonna bring to camp this year. I only been saved a couple of months and I remember they said, how many kids are you gonna bring to camp? And I remember, I'll never forget this number because I remember we wrote it on the board and I wrote it down in my journal and I said to him, he said, how many kids are you bringing to camp? And I said, I'm gonna bring 75 kids to camp. <laughs> and I wrote that number down. And the youth pastor looked at me and was like, Really? How are you going to get 75 kids there? 
I said, you're going to get me two buses. <laughs> he said, really? I said, yeah. And I'm going to fill them with kids. And I'm going to bring them to this camp. And they're going to receive Jesus. And they're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And their lives are going to get turned around and never going to be the same again. I'm getting 75 kids there because I'm believing for it and I believe God's put it on my heart. I remember what it felt like to have that type of faith, the type of faith that would look at anybody that would try to stop me and say, I dare you to try and stop me. I will push through every barrier and every plan of the enemy that would try to hold back the faith that I feel stirring within me because I feel called to do something. I remember that. I remember what it was to pull up my car in one of the roughest suburbs in the city and go door to door, knocking on the door. How weird is this, bro? Knocking on the door and I would say to the person or the parent that would open the door and I went in my roughest suburb in the city and I would say this, are there any teenagers that live here that need help? That's what I said. <laughs> Bro, how random is that? <laughs> and some people would look at me so weird because it was weird. <laughs> and there was a lot that I needed to learn. But one thing that I had within me may not have been wisdom, but it was faith. And if we step out in faith, God will bless something that's weird and use it to bring glory to His name. And as I began knocking on doors, because I didn't care, some of people said, they would just say, get away, freak, and bleep, bleep, bleep. I'd be like, okay, cool, have a good one. And I'll go to the next door. And I'd be, hey, 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 you got any screwed up teenagers in this house? But how many of you know that there were plenty of parents that said, dear God, I've got some, way right here. And they dragged these ratty teenagers and pushed them out and said, take them. <laughs> and I remember standing on the doorstep with this poor kid whose mum just kicked him out of the house. He looked at me like, now what do we do? And I thought, well, your guess is as good as mine, bro. I don't really know what I'm doing either. I said, you wanna go skate? Let's go to a skate park. You want to go shoot hoops somewhere? Let's go shoot hoops. You want to go? Let me buy you a cheeseburger, bro. Let's just hang out. And then we start to hang out. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that every step I was taking was one that was full of faith, saying, God, show me what to do now. Show me what to say now. And little bit by little, conversations would start. And guys would say, bro, why are you doing this? Why do you care? And I remember saying, I don't honestly know, bro, but I know that God's put something in my heart and He's changed my life. And I look at you and I don't know what's going on, but I know you need Jesus if you don't have Him and I'll pray with you and I want you to come to this camp and I'll never forget that moment where we had two buses pull up outside of this, this complex and we loaded them up with 75 teenagers packed full and we took them to camp and saw kids get saved and saw them encounter Jesus. Some of those kids to this day are now in ministry and are leaders in their youth ministry and you pastors in their churches, not because I knew what to do, but because I had just raw faith that just believed. 
that just believed. I remember going into those camps and getting up and, and trying to preach messages and I only had but one verse and didn't even know what I was doing half the time, but God would bless it and God would touch it. And I began to think of those times and think of those stories and it challenged me and as much as we shout about it now and it's stirring you now and it's getting you excited now, it was incredibly challenging for me. The other day when to be honest, I realised I lost some of that because we get so good at doing church and being sophisticated and being smooth and being polished and being what we like to disguise it all as a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more discerning. And I'm not saying that we need to go out there and start being silly for the sake of being silly. But I just wanna challenge you the same way God challenged me that He has called me to grow in every area to produce more fruit and much fruit in my life every single day. So as I say all of that <laughs> as an attempt to set up a sermon that maybe we'll have to pick up next week or whenever. But as much as I saw category four as one that I know I need to be in, I also recognise that I'm, I'm not always there. And maybe you, if you were to be honest, you would say, Ben, I think that's me too. We're quick to read this story and judge everybody else that maybe doesn't fall into the fourth category. We're quick to do that. We're quick to look and be so glad and say, well, I'm not like the guy where the seed fell by the wayside or the one who got it snatched away or the one who got it choked. But I think if we were to be honest and really look at the fruits of the Spirit and how am I growing in those areas, I do find myself not always in category four. Sometimes I find myself in category one, two or three. And so I then ask myself that question because as Jesus, as I said at the start, He summarised it and He said, some people, are, they're just not going to get it. And then it's so sobering for me to think, wow, sometimes I'm one of those people I'm a preacher. I've been doing this now nearly 20 years. I'm a preacher of the Gospel. And sometimes, if you were to look at these verses, sometimes Jesus looks at me and says, Ben, you're not getting it. And so I read on and I ask, I ask, Lord, why am I not getting it? Why didn't they get it? And it's, it's real simple, it actually gives the answer. He quotes a prophecy. Speaking of the people that didn't get it, Jesus says of these people, which I think all of us, if I dare say, probably fall into. 
you probably like me, you probably feel like for the most part you're in category four, but sometimes you find yourself in categories one, two or three. And Jesus said, and to them, this prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And He said, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. That's Jesus saying, you're not getting it. You're hearing, but you don't understand. He's talking to people, you come to church, but it's still not clicking. You read your Word, but it's still not. You know how to worship, but you're still not. We're still not getting all of it yet. And Jesus says why we're not getting it. Verse 15, why? For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their hearts have grown dull. That's, I read that verse and I stopped for a second. And I thought, that's, that's what happens to me. My heart grows dull. That word dull, the interpretation, it means wax. The interpretation sounds weird. It means wax gross, which basically it means it, it, it becomes thickened. It's speaking of a process. Look at the wording. Jesus says their hearts have grown dull, which means they weren't always dull. They've just become that way. There was once a time when their hearts were just wide open, hungry, passionate for the things of God, desperate to know Him more, open to whatever the the Word was gonna convict in them, ready to change, ready to step out, ready to believe, tender to the things of God, but their hearts have grown dull. It's the process of wax going from soft to hard. Another interpretation says their hearts have grown callous. They've gotten gotten tough. They've gotten closed. And then as I began just reading this and and I realised, I realised, okay, I'm I'm not getting it always what God is trying to drop into my spirit. And if I'm not getting it, I'm not getting it because my heart grows dull at times to the things of God. And so I wrote down just this thought, my heart needs help. My heart needs help. That's why Scripture is so important when it comes to understanding the things that God is trying to do in us. Proverbs, in fact, Proverbs verse four, uh, chapter four and verse 20, verse 23, he says, David speaking of God's Word, he says, you need to keep them in the midst of your heart. That's where growth is gonna happen in our life. We won't be what God has called us to be and operate in that level of faith that He's called us to operate in If we don't allow God's Word, David said, but His delight 
is in the law of the Lord and in His law He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatever He does shall prosper. If we kept our hearts in that place of of being tender to the things of God, then God's Word would get down in us and fruit would start to come from us. And look at this, then whatever you do, whether it's knocking on the door of a random stranger's house, asking if they've got any messed up teenagers, or some business deal that you feel God is telling you to do. Whatever you do, God says, if your heart is right and you allow My Word to get in the midst of it and you keep it in there, anything you do, I will touch and I will make it prosper. It's a challenging thought, isn't it? But we don't focus on keeping our hearts. We focus on how to prosper. That's what we want, don't we? I I want the result without the work. But understand if I do the work, God will take care of the result. But what brings us back and what's so incredibly sobering or should be sobering for us as Christians is answering the question, what really? is your goal. What's your goal? Because if your goal is to just prosper, you will find yourself very quickly doing whatever you have to do to try and make that happen. Whether it's right or wrong, kingdom or not. But the goal should not be to prosper, the goal should be to produce fruit of the Spirit. So I want you to write, I want to give you, I'm determined to give you a sermon here in this. I want you to write down three things. And I don't have time. You'll have to stay for the 11. I'll do it better in that service. Truth be told, I arrived here this morning at... uh, probably five to nine and realised that I left all of my notes at home on my kitchen table. The three words I want you to write down and I take these three words from the first three categories and I want you to read this later, what Jesus outlined in the parable. And the small groups are gonna go over it this week as well. But how, if, if my heart has a tendency The Word says the heart is deceitful above all things. This thing's screwed up, I'm just telling you. You might be a nice person and you're very lovely and I get it, but you're a mess, okay? The Bible says it. My heart is deceitful. This this joker right here, you cannot trust this thing. It needs help, okay? It needs help. The best thing we can do is to recognise, okay, it needs help. Because it doesn't, it doesn't want to, it's not always open to receive what God wants to put in it. So 
when it comes to God's Word in our life, dealing with a messed up heart, we're faced with a predicament because we have God's Word that we know we need to get in our heart, right? I've got to get that Word in the midst, as David said, of my heart. When I can get that Word in the midst of my heart, it'll start to produce fruit, okay? So here we have a problem because my heart is deceitful. So my heart is difficult to work with. So how do I make, I worded it like this, how do I make God's Word work in a screwed up heart? Okay, are you, are you tracking with me? How do I make it work? Because sometimes it's not getting in there. The first thing I want you to write down is, it needs to be understood or write down the word understanding. When it comes to God's Word in my heart, I have to, and this is so simple, but it will really help you. It is imperative for us to understand what we read. That, that, that I know it's so simple. Okay. But this is where the man in the first category failed because the Scripture says he did not understand it. And because he didn't understand it, it wasn't able to sink in to the depth it needed to get to. And as a result, it was snatched away. It would be so powerful for your life if you made a decision to understand one verse every day. One verse every day. How do I understand it? Psalms 1 of us, 2 to 3, He gives us that. He says, meditate on it day and night. Sit in it. Spend, spend time in it. One verse. You watch the difference it will make because as you understand it, that one verse gets deeper. And yes, it's true. The Word, I thought you might think, well, Ben, I thought the Word will always do what it set out to do. Yes, it will, but we can delay its process and slow up what the Word is trying to do through lack of depth and understanding. So the Word has to be something that I understand. Something when I understand it, I'm taking the Word from my head to my heart. Because as long as the Word is just in my head, it will give me information. But when it gets to my heart, it brings transformation. And I don't know about you, but I've met Christians before that have a lot of head knowledge, head information, but no heart transformation. This is where the Pharisees were at. They knew the Word. They knew it. They could quote it. They could speak it. This is where a religious spirit lives. No revelation, no heart transformation, no spirit behind it. But you get one verse that you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Understanding the second thing 
The second thing, and I want to do them real quick, obedience. This, this verse, I want to show you something that is, it, it, it blew my mind. And I wish I had more time when Jesus is talking about the, the parable and He says the parable in Matthew chapter 13, He talks about it and He says this, He says, Some fell on stony ground, stony places, verse 5, where they have not much earth. Not much earth. There was some earth, but not much. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up and they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. When Jesus described this person and He was unpacking it later on, He described him like this. He says that when, but he who received the seed on a stony place, listen to this, is he who receives the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Okay? This is the joker that shouts in the sermon. This is the person that's happy to be at church. Receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, I had to look at that word, word again, because I thought it said world. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Persecution arises when persecution arises because of the world. That's not what the verse is saying. The word persecution, it means pressing. Listen to this and this, this, this will sting a bit, but you'll be okay. It means pressing. The word, the word did not, not go deep because of pressing from the world or persecution from the world. It says the persecution and the pressing was actually coming from the Word itself trying to change the soil that it was in. You understand? When the seed got in the soil, the seed was trying to push against the soil and germinate and grow and make change within the soil for the seed to produce fruit. But the soil didn't like the pressing of the Word that was in it. This, this, this is good preaching. And it's quite, listen, listen to me. It's quiet in here. And I so badly want to flip it and, and, and I can get you shouting quick, okay? And I want to get us raw. But sometimes what hypes us on a Sunday doesn't help us on Monday. And I'd rather give you something today that might not hype you, but it will help you. Because when the Word gets in our heart, it requires a response. So what does the Word need? It needs us to obey. I've got to obey it. 
I've got to obey it. When He tells me to put God first, I've got to obey it. When He tells me to surrender my life, like Paul said, and take up my cross daily, every area of my life, I've got to obey it. I've got to surrender my plans, my kids, my career, everything that I have, I've got to surrender it to God daily. I've got to obey it. When the Word tells me to speak life and to speak truth, I've got to, I've got to grab this stinking mangy tongue of mine that wants to just run its own course and do whatever it wants to do and say whatever it feels like saying. I've got to grab it and I've got to tell it. You're not going to do that. You're not going to speak death. You're going to speak life. I've got to obey it. When the Word says don't gossip, I've got to stop myself and maybe some people in my friendship group and say, you know what? I don't need to hear about that. That's not my business. I don't know about it. I don't need to be worried about it. I've got to obey Obey it. And as I obey the Word, the Word starts to grow and produce fruit in my life. This is really good. I'm preaching better off no notes than I thought I was going to. The last thing I want you to write down, the last word that I want you to write down. We wrote down understanding, obedience and environment. The third category, the reason why the seed didn't produce fruit was it says that he he caught the fruit, but it was the environment. If you read it, it says that there was the thorns around it choked it out. And, And the cares of the world And he had so filled his life with everything else except that which would cultivate a healthy environment for seed to grow. That's what the Word needs in your life. Seed, whether seed produces fruit or not, has everything to do with the environment that it's in. I've learnt this the hard way practically. I have dead tomato plants in my backyard and my kids are devastated about it. You know why? Because I didn't cultivate the environment that it needed. You are praying for God to do things in your life that He's already done that we killed. Because it's the environment. That's why. I'm going to say it every single Sunday. You've got to get yourself in a small group. An environment. Are you cultivating an environment in your life where the seed can grow? So that we can produce fruit. Be who God's called us to be. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.